Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. England went up to the King Power in Leicester and got the big win. And even more importantly, Fran Kirby returned to the... Fo- They're all coming back. They're all, all the heroes are coming back to play. Uh, but after a wobble against the Netherlands last time, was this performance any more convincing? We talk through it all. We also catch up with the best of the rest as Jenny Hermoso makes her first appearance back in Spain. And you guessed it, scored a large last minute winner. But before we get stuck into the international bits and pieces, Rach, what's been your moment of the weekend? Um, Mine's got to be Katie McCabe doing Katie McCabe things in Dublin. Three goals, two assists in Ireland's 5-1 win over Albania. And she did it all uh, with a torn tricep. Um, which which sounds painful. Um, not that you really need your tricep to score goals, but yeah, uh, that was a pretty impressive, emphatic win for Ireland and a great performance from her. Well, I mean, ever true to the goalkeeper union, it has got to be that Mary Earps save uh, this weekend. I mean, she clawed it out of the back of the net in a kind of acrobatic moment of beauty. Um, I mean, I couldn't pick anything else. Whereas nothing else happened this weekend. It was you know fairly quiet, really. So, right, well... Getting on to England's win, but slightly unconvincing win. England beat uh, Germany, Belgium, uh, 1-0 at Leicester's King Power Stadium to bounce back from their defeat to the Netherlands last time out in the Nations League. Serena went back to a 4-3-3 after playing a back three at the World Cup. England's first clean sheet in five games, but their dominance didn't translate into goals. I mean... 
Alessia Russo, let's talk about her first because I was kind of looking through some of the stats and I was thinking, okay, she needs to start finding form. I don't think she's really found form with Arsenal. I don't really think she's found form with England. Why is she not putting the ball in the back of the net? I mean, the chances were there in the England-Belgium uh, game, but she didn't. She can't seem to get the accuracy sorted. Yeah, um, I think there is an element of finding her feet. I think there's an element of her being maybe slightly off her game. It happens. Um, I think there's also her being England's number nine now. She's not like you're off the bench player mm-hmm. uh, anymore. Um, I think... Yes, they're creating plenty of opportunities, but she's never going to be on the end of every single one. So I think England's kind of issues with scoring a lot of goals aren't only down to her. I think, you know, all in all, England are struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, I think Russo does do a huge amount off the ball, which maybe she doesn't get credit for because she is a number nine and you're kind of, that's you expect banging in the goals but a lot of the work and and we've said the same in in, in her um, Arsenal shirt as well is is the work she does off the ball the way she pulls players out the balls she puts in she almost set up I think it was Lauren Hemp um, quite early on in the match as well Um, and I think the relationship that's developing between her and Hemp is quite exciting Mm -hmm. Um, I think when the two of them play in the front two that's where we seem to see the most from them. Well, we saw that um, magic in China for the yeah. China game in the World Cup. That was that was beautiful. It's probably one of their best performances. Agreed, yes. And when you think about the fact that that was like a new... Do you remember us all sitting there going, what is going on? Um, <laughs> what is Serena doing? Um, and the two of them were playing together as that front two and we were kind of all sitting there going, okay, this, this is exciting because we've been seeing a lot of hemp out wide, right? And it never felt like we were getting too much of the end product from her. Whereas that too allowed her to be wide, but also come in, invert, be direct and link up really nicely with Russo. Do you remember that goal against Australia, that like no look pass Mm -hmm. um, for Russo to score? So, you know, maybe it's a case of that relationship developing a bit more. Um, I wouldn't, I'm not overly concerned, right? Number nines go up and down in in, um, in their play and they're not always absolutely banging in the goals all the time. Um, I'm sure it will come. I'm not like hugely concerned. But like overall, do you, do you think it was an unconvincing win? Or like, I'd, I wouldn't really say that England were unconvincing in terms of dominance, right? But maybe just in terms of putting their chances away. I think it was an unconvincing win. I think um, when you look at how they started in that first 15, 20 minutes, it was beautiful. I thought, you know what, maybe this very brief time away they've had from the last international game moments ago uh, might have done them the world of good um, but I, I thought they looked very confident they came out of the blocks they you know put Belgium to the task in the first 20 minutes and then they got the goal and I thought okay great this is gonna I, I was betting like we were kind of saying okay well this could be 3-0 by half time like literally that's where it the, the sort of the momentum of the game seemed to be going and then it fell flat but when I think you're completely right you can't just look at Russo you have to look at you know Chloe Kelly you have to look at Ella too I mean, they all sent efforts either wide or they hit the post or over the bar. And yeah, some of it's just misfortune. It's just bad luck. But at the same time, England had 23 shots, seven of which were on target and we only scored one. So like when you think of, you know, how and I know Serena was sort of in the um, the press afterwards kind of saying, well, you know, realistically, it's going to be harder for us to, you know, to take shots, to convert chances. The teams are getting better. The infrastructures are getting better. Absolutely, that is one aspect of it. But the chances are there and you should be converting them because if the chances are going to be coming far and few between as the standard of teams improve, you have to be more clinical. And I don't think we've seen that. And I do think, yeah, a lot of the weight of the responsibility rests on Russo's shoulders. But my God, we need to start getting better at scoring. 
it's often the case when you're just one nil up, right? Like even if they'd gone two nil up, I feel like the second half just would have been different. And I think England look nervy when things don't go their way. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's, it's, it can get kind of, as you know, people watching it, it gets nervy. The longer the game goes on when it's just 1-0, it's almost like they get frustrated. They almost don't believe they're going to get another goal, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. which is not what you want. You want the team to be like, we know another one's coming. We know it's coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we think about the last World Cup 2019 and the form England were on after that World Cup, it was dire mm-hmm. if you remember um, so at least you know back to winning ways I think when we compare it to say the Netherlands game I think it was more convincing in that respect and I think you're right the first 20 minutes or so there was a, like a swagger there that we're used to seeing from England it was sparky it was exciting yeah. it was like Spurs this season <laughs> um, I think but I think that's the, the, the challenge now get the second goal I think it, it changes the game and it changes them as players within the game um, but yeah I think as the game went on and it got closer to the, the last kind of the final 10 minutes you were like Arbeld I'm going to get the equaliser it was that and I think that was the, that was the fear and obviously the game the importance of the game it, it's significant now there's a chance here that we could be being knocked out of the Olympic <laughs> the Olympic competition next next year so it, it, I don't think it was good enough I thought the first 20 minutes were exciting and then it just fell flat but do you think then that the sort of experience of people like Beth Mead like Fran Kirby obviously she came on as a sub uh, first minutes for England in over 13 months she obviously got a massive round of applause the King Power Stadium went absolutely wild lit up for her return do we think that you know those experienced heads those you know the, those ones that have been under pressure who have done the major international tournaments who have the sort of weight of responsibility and want to be back on that pitch to prove to people to you know be back in the England squad do we think it's now on them to kind of show the youngsters this is what you've got to do in those moments I think it will help in terms of creating other opportunities and giving England a different kind of maybe way of playing in certain situations I think Fran Kirby does that like we've talked obviously talking about a lack of gold I would kind of hope to see that improve the more time we see Kirby on the ball or the more time Kirby gets to play. Um, She's obviously very good with helping to break down defences, finding those intricate passes. Um, You know, I think she would give England a little bit more directness as well. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes Alessia Russo plays better with that kind of direct ball into feet. Um, And she's good with, you know, close control as well I think sometimes in the midfield area sometimes in the Latoon that's kind of where the, the play might break down or we lose possession um, so yeah it's exciting to have her back she's another kind of magic jigsaw piece that England have now and I do think it gives players confidence the players around her confidence when she's back and on the ball because you know she can produce that moment of magic and I think maybe having a little bit more consistency in the number 10 role would also be beneficial for England mm-hmm. rather than like is it going to be Ella Toon? is it going to be Lauren James you know I think having a consistent number 10 could potentially help England look into that kind of goal. I wouldn't even say goal drought, but like putting those chances away, putting those chances on target at least. Okay, well, let's take it to the back line now. We've covered the front. We don't think the firepower's, you know, really hitting full steam yet, but time to come. Neve Charles stepped in at left back for this game. I think everyone was a little bit surprised not to see Jess Carter. She seems to be, you know, she seems to have kind of like got her solid, consistent starting position. So I think um, it was nice to see Neve Charles back on the pitch, but it was the it was the change again of that dynamic. So not having those win backs there anymore, but having a sort of solid bank of four. I thought Neve Charles did absolutely brilliantly. She picked up the player of the match. Um, I mean, she was able to offer, I suppose, something that Jess 
doesn't really offer in terms of her kind of attacking outlet. I thought she had some great combinations sort of, um, you know, going forwards. I thought she was quite... She was pacey. She was punchy. She sort of she. It, it was exciting to kind of see. Um, but yeah, I mean, what did you think of you know when you saw Charles on the team sheet as opposed to to Jess? I, I felt a little bit disappointed for Jess. I thought, well, you know, I, I think Jess was excellent. Obviously, at the World Cup, particularly in that back three. I think England have been a little. You know, there's been a little bit of a question mark maybe over the left back position for a while. You know, we've seen Alex Greenwood in there. And we've seen her in central defence, which I, I think she's better. I think, you know, we've seen Rachel Daly there and we've seen her mm-hmm. up front. I think finding that piece, that left back piece, consistent piece of the puzzle will be really beneficial. Um, and I think, you know, Charles is a really great addition. I think she had a really good towards the end of last season. I thought she was really, really good. Um, yeah. And she was getting her chances. She's been good this season at Chelsea, particularly now with Guro Wrighton out injured for the last few games. She's still making sure that that left side is is a big threat for Chelsea. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pleased to see her get the the chance. I think she covered herself in glory the way she played, and I think having in a back four having Charles there, she does offer you that still offers that attacking threat mm-hmm. because she's quick enough to get back, and she is a very good defender. Um, and I kind of maybe mirrors Lucy Bronze on the right a little bit in terms of providing those attacking opportunities. I do think. Charles maybe a little bit better at getting back quicker into defence. Um, so yeah, to get the opportunity and to get player of the match is like tick, tick. That's, a, that's the absolute perfect start for her. And I hope we'll see her more in that role. Well, I think it's that versatility, I think, that Serena now has in her bank. It's like she can either play that sort of the three at the back with the wing backs with someone like Carter, who is very, who's becoming a very solid, um, you know, set up with, you know, like Bright, who almost got a goal. Can we just add? <laughs> I mean, almost was uh, was uh, England's saviour this weekend. Um, and then also being able to sort of go up and, and shore up into that sort of bank of four and also provide those attacking outlets, like you said, with Charles and sort of bronze being the sort of pacey or sort of almost like pressing up into the wings. But we did have a, uh, a quite, I mean, we've already kind of covered it, I suppose, but Sue did ask us on Twitter, how good was Charles on Friday? And the resounding answer is pretty bloody amazing. But do we think Serena is going to use Charles again for the game tomorrow? Or do we think that Serena's going to switch it up again, keep things a bit spicy for Belgium, keep them on their toes, not really kind of, you know, use that versatility to her advantage in terms of we don't know what to expect? I think... It's, so this is weird, right? When you play the same team back to back. And, you know, part of me would say Serena Wiegmann, you know, we look at the Euros, she'd play the same team and just do it well. It didn't matter how prepared the opposition were, it still worked. Mm-hmm. But then we look at the World Cup and there was a lot of changes. Um, so it's quite hard to call because I often think in those back to back games, the team that loses probably takes the most lessons from the first game. And given England only won one nil, you would think Belgium would be better prepared perhaps because they did limit England to effectively seven shots on target. Mm -hmm. Um, I think given Charles had a player of the match performance, I would expect her to start. But you never know, they could decide to go to a back three. (laughs) Like, who knows? Um, I'd also think it's interesting to see if Fran Kirby starts. You know, Mm. could she get maybe 60 minutes at the beginning? And then maybe though we're going to see those chances be converted early on and they go in with a one or maybe two or three nil, you know, buffer before halftime rather than that panicky hanging on to a one nil lead. I personally think she's going to stay with the same formation. I think you can't, the ch- we didn't convert our chances, but the formation itself, I think, worked. I mean, when you look at the stats, I mean, we had 71% of the possession. You can't say that, that is a, that's not a formation that was, you know, important and, and helpful for us. So I can't see Serena changing it, but... 
we thought she was the consistency queen. Turns out she's a surprise queen. So God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But it's going to be an exciting game. Obviously, an absolute biggie. And then we go into the last two fixtures of the Women's Nation League in uh, December. So, yeah, it's going to be hairy. It could come down to Wembley, Netherlands yes. in December. Like, could you imagine? Bloody hell. It's going to... The roof is going to be raised off of Wembley once more. It might feel again a little bit Euros-esque in that, in that they night. They have to win tomorrow. They will have to win tomorrow. Box Park could absolutely explode if we get to that stage, if that is the key game. So, not a lot. And breathe. And yeah. breathe. Relax. End scene. Right. Another hero of the day, Mary Earps, my moment of the weekend, personally. Uh, she spoke out last week about difficulty of meeting fans after she received uh, sort of quite heavy criticism from a fan following uh, Man United's game against Everton. Um, a fan had posted on their Instagram, thank you Ella Toon and Nikita Paris for stopping to meet my daughter today. It's a shame Mary Earps is far too busy and important to stop for her fans these days. Earps, obviously being quite vocal, you know, wanting to stand up for herself and rightly so, then posted a screenshot with the words, I try to ignore comments like these, but after a great win and spending so much time post-game meeting so many of you lovely lot afterwards, it's hurtful to get home and get tagged in comments like these. Be kind, happy Sunday, lots of love, Mary Queen of Stops. She didn't say Queen of Stops, she just said Mary Kiss. But I mean... That is the thing, isn't it? That's the thing that we're starting to see the the dynamic changing between fans and players. Obviously, with its increasing tendencies. I mean, when I was playing back in my day, you know, we were lucky even at Spurs in WSL for our first season to get three, four hundred people coming down to the hive. So in terms of, you know, people waiting around after the game, you might get maybe 50, maybe 100 if you had people who were sort of particularly interested on the day and it wasn't absolutely shitting it down and people didn't want to get back from the arse end of North London. (laughs) And we were obviously like, you know, really grateful. I think when you come for the championship into the WSL, where you've got 20 people in the championship watching you and two people say after the game, you feel very grateful for people to be there. But, you know, we're now, what, four years on and the kind of attendances that you're seeing are in their tens of thousands. And it is not practical for the players after a game when they've got the recovery to think about. And especially someone like Earps, who is also playing in international football and the recovery times are shorter, to be standing around in the rain signing autographs for every single person who has turned up. I mean, you can't say that Mary Earps is not grateful for that. She has done so much to advocate for everything, but fans, I think, need to row back their expectations of what players can realistically do after games. I mean, Rach, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think the fans has a point or do you think Mary's absolutely bang on telling... Mary is bang on. The entitlement that you somehow, like... <laughs> you you pay for a ticket. That ticket allows you to go and see a match. It doesn't guarantee you a selfie. It doesn't guarantee you an autograph. It doesn't guarantee you a shirt. Um, and the level of entitlement that that's what fans deserve because they've come to watch a match. Like, please. You know, I've I've overheard kids and honestly, I can't imagine how the players take it because as a photographer, you're often on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And at Ireland the other day, I was like, my ears, like the screaming at the players is borderline aggressive sometimes. And they're out there for ages. I had one of the players walk by me. She'd been there for ages going in. People were screaming at her and she goes, oh my God, I feel so bad, but like I have to go inside. Like realistically, they can't sign absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. They can't can't give you their shirts, their boots. I've heard kids say, 
I want her boots. I want her shirt. Which one? I don't know. I don't know her name. I just know I want one of her. And you're like, oh my God, like seriously. So yeah, I think there's, there's probably going to end up being some sort of clamp down on, because this is the thing, right? That kind of attitude ruins mm. it for other fans. Absolutely. Because you're going to have players being made to feel really shit about themselves when they shouldn't. That's going to end up the club saying, right, we need to protect the players more, which means they'll probably be putting things in place to stop it from happening, which then means the nice fans who are grateful for even a wave or whatever <laughs> get nothing because you've got people like this who think they're entitled. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, you've got clubs like Man City. I think Man City do like an autograph alley, little things like that. They're still trying to hold on to that special part of the women's game. But I think there needs to, yeah, I think fans need to maybe take a step back in terms of what they think they're entitled to because like these players, like you say, recovery is so important for a professional player. And Mary is often the one out there the longest the expectation is too high and also I think it promotes the wrong message with kids especially like for the pushier parents that I've seen at some games who are sort of throwing their kids to the front saying you know holding up the sign saying can I have your shirt whatever it is can I have your boots and and also there's an appreciation that even though the WSL has come so far a lot of the players are still paying for their own boots don't get shirts every single game it's not a case if they can even do these things even if they could I mean a pair of you know some of Mary Earps's, um gloves probably about 80 100 quid a pair of their boots what 200 or so like women's players whilst the salary's going up are not in a place to be handing out boots and gloves every weekend so well, well done Erps for speaking up and doing it in such a polite well-mannered way and just sort of you know giving the reality of the situation so yeah another more advocacy from Mary Erps right staying on the topic of Erps we do have a slightly controversial question um Satorino on Insta apologies if I've, I've completely butchered that name um if Mary Erps picked up an injury who would be your England goalkeeper now this is a toughie because the England goalkeeper situation and goalkeeper situation it, the sort of the dynamic between the goalkeeper union this year is quite interesting because obviously we've just seen that Sandy McIver uh, picked up one international cap for England, but has now gone over to, to Scotland, probably to get more game time. Absolutely appreciate that she's sort of like a little bit way down the list in terms of priority for, you know, goalkeeper stepping in. We've got Ellie Roebuck, who's not started a single game this season for Man City, who has been replaced at Man City by 19-year-old Kiara Keating, um, who has done an outstanding job for Man City. But no one really knows where Roebuck's gone. We saw her in the stands with Sue Campbell. Why? We do not know. There seems to be some kind of beef there going on with the goalkeeper union at that club. Kiara Keaton's obviously stepped up into the Lionesses squad for the first time, making her debut, and rightly so. She's an incredibly young talent. She's still got a way to go, but in terms of like her confidence, absolutely outstanding. It's crazy that she's here. So in terms of really where we're at... Right and then Hannah me, Hampton. And then Hannah Hampton, who's had her own sort of controversial backup, issues. Backup keeper at Chelsea. Backup keeper now at Chelsea probably won't see a potentially may not see a single minute of WSL action this season, depending on how Chase, uh, Hayes wants to play her in you know cup games and things like that. I mean, Rach, who's your who's your number two? It's a great question and Isn't it's a it? really tough question because Tasty. you you might look at it and say, well, Kiara Keating is is playing and is playing really well, so she you would think be should be playing the keeper that's playing. But does spend a little bit too much time on the ball. Well, yeah. The other side of me thinks Hannah Hampton, yes, she's not getting game time, but she's training with a good portion of England's defenders regularly Mm -hmm. and has been in the England setup before and has caps. So from a kind of, if suddenly Earps got injured and they needed to get a keeper on, it would probably be Hampton 
for that experience and for that relationship that she's probably already started to develop with those defenders and has with some of those Chelsea defenders. But it is a tough one. It's a very, it's like, you know, we used to say we've got too, so many good keepers in England and now you're like, oh God, that not many of them are actually playing. The Lionesses are kind of hoarding keepers, like Chelsea is hoarding keepers. <laughs> I think my gut instinct is that it would be Ellie Roebuck in the number two position. Um, I think they've. I think the goalkeeper union between uh, Mary Erbs and Ellie Roebuck and Darren Ward, the England goalkeeper coach, has probably been the most long-standing. Um, I think a lot of it would come down to what Darren has to say about how they've been training and the dynamic between them and where they're at mentally, because I think it will probably would be tougher. Um, for Ellie to have stepped into you know quite a, a big game say for example it was the decider for the Olympic qualification Ellie Roebuck who hasn't started in WSL games who probably feels a little bit un, on edge at the fact that she's not even making the team sheet for Man City being thrown into a situation like that would be absolutely killer I think me personally I would want to see Kiara Keating go in I would I think the girl thrives under being just chucked into you know really high pressure situations from such a young age and she's like oh fuck it and then she'll do like a Cruyff turn in the box for absolutely no reason <laughs> or she'll hang on to the ball for like 45 seconds and I'm like you can't be doing these things but also there's a resilience to her that I absolutely love so I think you'd throw her into that and she would absolutely gung-ho go into it as Ellie Roebuck I think would be slightly nervous and she does she, I've seen her make a couple of flaps so my gut is Ellie. What I'd like to see is Kiara. Sorry, right. Hannah. Sorry, Hans. Well argued. Thank you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right, the future of next summer's big contenders. Uh, Spain beat Italy 1-0 on Friday and Jenny Hermoso, I mean, who else? Who else? The woman of the hour came off the bench to score the winner right at the death. It's the first time she's put on the Spain shirt since the World Cup final. Right, so 
let's talk a little bit briefly about the game before we get into a bit of an update about what's happening with the, the you know the Spain situation so I mean Rachel I don't know how much you managed to get of the game but it was a pretty dominant Spain performance which is what we expect to see though right so that's not you know it's great first of all great that Jenny's mm-hmm. back and back to doing what she does best which is Absolutely. scoring goals but talk about cutting it fine because Italy have, <laughs> have struggled you know in the past um they uh, 21 chances, five on target. Mm-hmm. It's an issue we've we've seen from Spain before and an issue that does need addressing. So they have this new manager in, but yes, lots of possession. Yes, lots of chances. They need to start being on target. That's what we've kind of said about Spain before. But Hermoso's back, so maybe that will start to happen. I mean, 89th minute winner, but a winner nonetheless. Spain addicted to drama, um, leaving it to the very last minute to get that uh, to get the goal. But I think, um, I mean, it was it like you said, it was completely a Spain dominant one. I mean, the shots on target, the shots, seventy two percent possession. This win now sees them top of the group. So it is Spain at top, Sweden second, Italy, and then Switzerland at the bottom. But Hermoso obviously getting the winner. There's a lot of attention around her. I don't know if you've seen the news recently. What's better joy than to get back here and feel good again to score? the goal and get that win now I can only smile and I think that is the biggest takeaway point from that game that Jenny Hermoso is back to smiling and doing what she loves on that topic obviously there's been a little bit of an update the news broke on Monday that FIFA has banned Louis Rubiales from all football related activities for three years Rubiales says that he intends to appeal against the ban he said I will go to the last I know snooze fest I will go to the last Just walk away now. Just just leave us all alone. Just take us Twitter off. I'm going to the last resort to see that justice is done. <laughs> we did a Trump, a Trump type situation. But, you know, Elon Musk, he, that's another story. I will go to the last resort to see that justice is done and the truth shines through. I mean. Can you hear that? That is the sound of the world's smallest violin playing the world's saddest song just for Luis Rubiales. <laughs> So I think at the moment, it is obviously a very positive situation that some form of justice has been done in terms of him being able to be a part of the footballing community. Obviously, the criminal case is still ongoing, so we still await to see what happens I mean, ban him for life, but sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just just three years, but, you know, hey-ho, some progress, I suppose. So the Ballon d'Or ceremony is happening tonight. You might just be able to catch us before the awards are announced. What, there's a there's a it's a great list it's an absolutely great list you've got on there not just the likes of you know Bonmati you've got Mary Earps you've got Stanway you've got uh, Linda Caicedo like there's a whole host of like really brilliant Katie McCabe it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty tasty little list it's a, it's going to be a difficult one for the judges is to... it I'm, I'm trying to be nice okay. okay I'm trying to be fair I'm trying to keep it a little bit spicy everyone knows everyone knows Bonmati is going to pick up that award. well if if she doesn't we riot yeah uh, I, I mean, who is going to riot? Who's going to riot am. if she walks Join away? Me, won't you? If award? she doesn't get it, I mean, oh, she if she doesn't, doesn't get if, it. I was like, I was like Jesus gonna... woman. I was like, if she doesn't get it, the best thing we is, is midnight. <laughs> probably just walk down the road and pick it up from Alexia. I'm assuming, just sort of knock <laughs> on the door, mate. I don't know if you've heard, I've won. Uh, it's mine now. It's mine if you want. Fancy a takeaway to celebrate? Oh no, we can't because we've still got international fixtures. On that note. Georgia Stanway has spoken out about female players nominated for the award. They're not able to attend as they're all on international duty. Great timing. I don't know where you've been in the women's football community world, but 
the scheduling of some of these things is an absolute farce. So none of the female players are going to be there to pick up their award. England players. England players, but also... Spain are sending players, apparently. Are they actually? Mm, private jet, apparently, I think. But well, I've heard that Spain know. players are going. Well, well, you would if you were guaranteed you wouldn't, an award. You wouldn't just send Itana in a plane on her own, would you? You'd be like, well, you may as well send them all. Come on. Yeah, go on. <laughs> go on, Alexia. You had it last year. Come on. Right, and then cool. what, back to Switzerland? Is that how they're playing? So Yes. But um, uh, still, like, I mean, it's such a... It is risky to send your players because if you then come back and don't win, people are going to be like... You know, come back to your game and don't win your game. People are going to be like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's definitely going to pick up some kind of criticism, but also at the same time, I mean, private jet to go and yeah. pick up your Ballon d'Or. Like, does life get any better? Like, it probably has its own seat. <laughs> oh, Christ. The, the, the amount of money. I would remortgage my flat to be on that private jet with Bon Matty and the rest of the Spain squad as she picks I up that award just assumed back. This is what's happening. We've already predicted it. <laughs> the standard's just so high. That's it just, is. It's you brilliant. Can, you can... Win all those awards, Erps, but actually you're still not good enough. Like, I mean, crazy. In any other year, I think she'd have walked away with it. But, you know, it is what it is. Right, Germany beat Wales 5-1 on a Friday in a very dominant display. But they're not top of the Nations League group, having lost 2-0 to Denmark back in September. I mean, why is the question? Okay, so first of all... Wales is the, the goal that Wales did get I would recommend everyone go and look at um, I think it was Kerry Holland who put it away but it was Barcelona-esque um, so if you can find that goal definitely worth watching strange situation in Germany now I've got a lot of this information from DW.com who had an article on this and on Voss Tecklenburg because mm-hmm. she has not she never really made any sort of public statement or recognition of Germany's terrible World Cup um, she was initially on sick leave from early September according to you know the German Football Association and then they later announced that she was on a holiday period from mid-October which they'd approved weirdly though um, according to this uh, article she's made a couple of public appearances speaking at two events as a guest one was a talk on on team building and coaching in October in Bremen at a forum organised by the German Association of the Prefabricated Housing Industry obviously the obvious choice and the other was a celebratory lecture to dentists at the Bavarian Dental Association her presentation was on shaping to perform my management in women's soccer and that was apparently something that the federation weren't really aware of Um, so it's quite unusual given like even Oberdorf came out saying that it raises a few question marks for me this she was asked about it before the Wales game she was like, I would have wished for something different. For example, we could first clarify what happened at the World Cup and then she could go on vacation. Um, and she was asked whether she thought the coach could return, should return. And she said she did not have the power to make such a decision. She said, I'm just here to do my job. The DFB will take care of everything else. So like a strange situation uh, in Germany. Obviously, they ha- hadn't been playing well. They did have that dominant win over Wales. They did lose to Denmark. So yeah, an interesting one to see how that's going to be resolved. Do we think, Rach, this is a smokescreen and she's going to pop up in 2024 as the new head of the women's football department at the FA? (laughs) 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 They look at her CV and go, well, European finalists to getting knocked out of the group stages in Germany. Yeah, Knows about dentistry, knows about housing associations, knows a little bit about international football. Well, the article... After the dentist one, the article was like the DFB are looking to get to the root of the problem, which oh, I Christ. particularly enjoyed. That's worse than ours. That's worse than our puns. 
All right, well, moving swiftly on for that random chain of events, uh, Vivian Miedemar came on as a sub in the Netherlands 4-0 win over Scotland and the 2024 Olympic host France are currently unbeaten in their group, having beaten Portugal, Austria and Norway. Olympic defending champions Canada had some big, big news recently. The one, the only, Christine Sinclair has announced her retirement. I mean, she can only really... I mean, where Shall do you even start? Shall I give a run-through? Shall if I? If you could, if you could, okay. that'd be helpful. Yeah. F- 40 years old, 328 caps. That might nice. have gone up since the other day for Canada. 190 goals, making her the world's all-time leader for international goals scored for men or women. Olympic gold medalist, two-time Olympic bronze medalist, CONCACAF champion, 14-time winner of the Canada Soccer Player of the Year Award. She's also the second soccer player of either sex to score at five World Cup editions, preceded by Marta and later equaled by Cristiano Ronaldo. And she has been shortlisted for the FIFA Women's, Women's Player of the Year seven times. She's played in six World Cups and four Olympics. It's a weird one because when I announced my own retirement, it didn't feel quite as weighty. (laughs) (laughs) I always feel like I can really, you know, it really resonates when someone announces their retirement. And I think, hmm, I look back over my career. To be fair, she played till she was 40. So maybe if you just kept going. It is that. I did did retire 10 years too early. Yeah, Yeah. Um, that was it, probably. That was the the only thing between me You might have struggled with goals scored, but otherwise... Mm. You never know. I was quite a dynamic, versatile keeper. That you know, people did say that in my day. But um, no, congratulations to Sinclair on a phenomenal career. She ends with two farewell games in the next international window. So yeah, those are going to be two games. They're, they're I think history. against Australia. Is well. it Australia? I think so. Just an easy in Canada, wonder, yeah. of course. Um, moving on, you. I mean, this is just. We have to keep moving on. There's just so much just to so talk much about. Stuff. I really thought it was a fairly quietish weekend with no WSL stuff. The USA drew with Colombia nil nil in a friendly on Friday. They still haven't found a new head coach since Vlatko Adonovsky left the post after the World Cup because the USA did so well. US soccer have finally narrowed its search to three candidates. Australia's head coach, Tony Gustafsson, former Arsenal manager, Joe Montemuro, the guy just keeps on popping up, uh, who is now head coach at Juventus and Oral Reign coach, uh, head coach, Laura Harvey. Rach, who do we think is the, the most likely candidate for this? It's such a weird thing to like announce the people you're going for. Imagine like you're still in your job and they're like, by the way, we're poaching them. You see them? Yeah. So you might not have them anymore. Mm. Um, it's it's tough because it's a huge, huge task to take on in terms of, you know, obviously the USA are going through this kind of transition period, but it feels like they're almost at the, at the start of a wave now where it's going to just start coming back up again and you need mm-hmm. the right person to be, you know, holding on to those, those reins. In terms of like international experience, I suppose, Gustafsson, would be, you know, a choice because he mm-hmm. has that international experience. He's managed a host team in a World Cup, got them probably further than expected. Um, but then in terms of winning experience, Laura Harvey has some pretty good winning experience under her belt um, in terms of that kind of environment. And then, yeah, Montemiro's experience in terms of taking on new projects, what he's done at um, Juventus. Um, but I probably have him as third choice. I think maybe it's between the other two. Do you reckon? See, I think it's probably going to... Well, 
I would have said Gustafsson, but um, I mean, I've been told that he's unlikely to relocate for, to the US for the role, which could affect Fair. his chances of being offered. Um, he obviously was one of the top contenders. Um, he had a history, obviously, with um, US soccer as part of GLS's coaching staff, the 2015-2019 World Cup wins. And Ellis herself endorsed Gustafsson, um, saying he was a strong candidate for the role. And that was in an interview with ESPN before Adonofsky had officially left. Uh, but he is contracted with Australia until the 2024 Olympics. But yeah, the second choice for me, probably Montemuro. Um, yeah, obviously did wonders. Well, kind of wonders, I suppose, with Arsenal. Um, did he? Yeah, well, you know, he, they, they weren't awful during his reign. Um, <laughs> well done. Yeah. Glowing praise. They did win the WSL title in 2018, 2019 under his guidance. So, you know. That, and that was Listen, the last time they won it, to be fair. There is a 66.6% chance that it will be someone associated with Australia. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> great, great odds. Well done, Rach. And on that particularly interesting, insightful note, we will end it there. Um, obviously got the game tomorrow. Belgium take on England again in the second leg. That will be over in the King Power Stadium in Belgium. Um, yeah, thanks for that quirky little fact last week. Uh, Rach, you're heading over there. I mean, what's the weather saying in Belgium at the moment? And do they have bed bugs? Do we need to be careful? About don't bring that up again. We don't no, need sorry. to worry about them again. Um, I'm pretty sure the weather's as shite as it is here. Lovely. So, can't wait. Well, but Belgium, that. lovely. Good yeah. beer. Leuven, maybe some chocolate, if I'm lucky. Oh, cute. Didn't you celebrate your anniversary recently? Can you have like a late anniversary kind of like Belgium maybe. tour? Yeah. Maybe, maybe. What, uh, 24 years now between you and Safe, is that right? Yeah. Flammes fritters with some mayonnaise. Flammes fritters? What's the flammes fritters? Chips. You just made that up? It's how they say in... Never mind. Just carry on. Chips okay, and cool. mayo. Mayo. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember, you can find us on Instagram and X. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball. And we are generally at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront pod. See you next week. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.